in the silence of our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and live as he lives and to your glory. Lord, help us to be attentive to your voice in every moment of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you very much. So Aladdin is back in the cinema, and uh, we've had quite a few versions of it over the years, uh, way back from Aladdin and the Magic Lamp, and the story, I haven't seen the newest one by Disney, but I, I imagine the story is, is probably pretty much a given, in that uh, a young street urchin finds a lamp, rubs it, genie comes out, grants, offers three wishes. And... Um, I think we have this, the reason why Aladdin is so popular is because we have this fascination with the story about having our wishes granted. The sort of notion of a genie appearing and saying three things, whatever you want, you get. You know, it doesn't matter what you ask, you can have whatever you ask. And a, a part of it could appeal to the fact that we, we like this notion of getting our own way. We like this sort of thought of, wouldn't it be brilliant if I had the opportunity? I have lots of jokes about these things as well, you know, about uh, people on desert islands and three wishes and everything else. We have this wonderful fascination uh, with being able to just say the word and something is done. And it does sound very appealing, the thought of uh, having wishes or, or getting our own way. When we first hear about it or think about it, we may think, this is the solution to everything. Uh, if I were able to have three wishes, or if I were able to have my own way in every point of view, every decision of every day, everything would be absolutely fantastic. But the truth is, actually, it would be miserable. And it, it, it sometimes takes us a while to work this out. And uh, really, our Bible passage today is showing us an entirely alternative way of doing it. Uh, the fact of Jesus living a life in which he, he never sought to have his own way. Jesus, in the entirety of his life, never once sought to have his own way. And so the God who we follow, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was born into uh, the world and became the Son of Man for us in order to to die and rise again, that we may be part of this wonderful community with Christ the center, the community of God the Father, Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit being extended to us. And that has all come about because Jesus Christ lived a life of submission and never once in his life sought to have his own way. And yet he is the most powerful and influential human being who has ever lived and yet he never once sought to have his own way. He always lived a life of submission. So this whole series of seven weeks is about submission and community. And the reason why they're linked together is because if you want community in life, if we want to live in community, there is only one way into it, and that is by submission. That's why these two spiritual disciplines are linked together. And the reason for this whole in these years, our main focus is doing these spiritual exercises. And the reason why we're looking at spiritual exercises and doing spiritual exercises 
is in order to grow stronger. It's in order to become more spirit-filled. It's in order to become more filled with the power of God and to see God work powerfully in us and to see God work powerfully through us. But the spiritual exercises in themselves, and we've looked at a number so far, whether it's uh, fasting, solitude, silence, um, resting, Sabbath, we've looked at quite a few so far. There are many more that we'll look at over the years ahead, God willing. But the, the whole area of submission is so that we can find community. And ultimately, that is our heart's desire. The thing that we long for is community with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another. Ultimately, that is what we hunger and thirst for more than anything else, is to belong, to belong to community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the community of God, because that is where joy is to be found. That is where freedom is to be found. That is where peace is to be found. So all these spiritual exercises, which is it's like going to the gym in a spiritual way, basically intentionally saying, I'm going to do certain things in order to be open to God so that he can transform my life. And all of the spiritual exercises are for freedom. They're all to lead us into freedom of life so that we can live a life like Jesus Christ and be completely free and completely joy-filled to be completely fulfilled in our lives. That's what the spiritual exercises are for. There's a classic book called uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and in it he says this, the disciplines or the exercises in themselves are of no value whatever. They have value only as a means of setting us before God so that he can give us the liberation we seek. Every discipline has its corresponding freedom. The freedom that corresponds to submission is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. Getting our own way is not the answer to everything. Getting our own way is a terrible burden to have to carry. Because the reality is, we will live in constant frustration. Because other people will just not cooperate. The world will just not cooperate. The weather will just not cooperate. The politicians will just not cooperate. Our spouse, our family, our employer, whatever it happens to be, for some reason, they will not always do exactly what we want them to do. We will live in a world of complete frustration. And that's the way the Lord has made it to be. Why? Because it would be a terrible situation if we were to get everything to be exactly the way we wanted it to be. The thing that happens if we live a life where we're seeking for that to happen, is that we will gradually push people away and we will live a life of complete isolation and loneliness and misery. All of us are, are part of at least one community. So we're part of the family of God. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ. But there will be other communities of which we're a part. We live in a house that probably has neighbors, so we are part of a community. 
We live in Northern Ireland. We're part of a community. We may be married, so we're part of a community of two. We may have family. We're part of a familial community. And we seek out community because community is where freedom and joy and life is to be found in the midst of loving relationships. But if we seek to have our own way, we will destroy community. Who wants to be in community with someone who always wants to have their own way? So if we seek to have our own way, people will grow gradually tired of serving us because they will realize we have no interest in community. We have no interest in friends. What we want are servants. And the opposite is also true. If we live a life of submission, if we live a life of always deferring to the people around us, of always seeking their interest, of always hoping they will be blessed, of seeking to pray for them, to encourage them to, as we said last week, to suffer if they suffer, to clap if they are honored, to shout hallelujah if things go well for them, then what will happen? We will gradually enter more and more deeply into community. And we will experience complete and utter joy. Submission is the way in the community. And so Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. One of the major burdens he's speaking about there is the burden of always having to get our own way. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Seeking to have our own way is a burden. We will constantly be frustrated. And Jesus says, Lay it down. Now, that doesn't mean there are times where God calls us to stand up for something which is a principle. But any times I've experienced that, by and large, it's, it's to do with the fact of God calling us to stand up for a principle that will benefit other people and not necessarily benefit ourselves. So Jesus said the life where if he encountered injustice, he would speak out against it. He lived in community within the family of the people of Israel, and yet Jesus frequently called out to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, and he called them out where he saw they were doing wrong. Submission does not mean always agreeing with people. Submission includes calling out injustice where we see it. And yet this Bible passage tells us that Jesus, in humility, submitted to people that he even profoundly disagreed with. But ultimately, the one whom Jesus submitted to was his heavenly Father. And we always have to have that in place because submission is not about doing what other people tell us to do. This is a, a major misconception in terms of what submission is. 
Submission is not doing everything that everyone tells us to do. So in this passage, we see how about James and John but coming to Jesus after he has just told them, the 12, that he's going to be mocked and beaten and spat upon, and he's going to be crucified. And amazingly, in crass selfishness, James and John, two of the inner circle, come to him and say, one of the most manipulative questions you could ever ask, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you to do. We're not going to tell you what it is, but we want you to tell, tell us ahead of time, you're going to do exactly what we ask you to do. He's just told them he's heading to his death. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be spat upon. He's going to be killed. He might expect his closest friends would come to him and say, my goodness, this is a tough road. Can we support you? Can we pray for you? How can we help you on this terribly perilous journey that is leading to your death? Did James and John ask that question? They say, no, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do for us. And we might wonder in that moment where Jesus would say, hold on a second, guys. Have you not just heard what I've... He doesn't go down that road. He doesn't get angry with them. But neither is he seduced by the possibility of impressing them. And so he doesn't say, look, in three days' time, I'll be back at my father's side. So guys, leave this with me. I can sort this out for you. What you're asking me to do, I can't do right now, but in three days' time, I'll be able to do exactly that for you. But Jesus isn't seduced by manipulating other people by giving them gifts that actually they don't need. And so Jesus says to them, can you be baptized with my baptism? Can you drink the cup that I drink? And Jesus knows that James and John are going to desert him. Judas is one of the group that he's speaking to. He's going to betray him. And yet he says to them, Effectively, he invites them into the possibility of following in his footsteps. And yet he knows that it is a road that only he can go on. And so he says to them, I cannot give you what you ask. He knows that in three days' time he could. But in humility, he says to them, effectively, I have given away all my privilege in life. The reason why I was born, how I was born, means that I give away all my heavenly authority at that time. And so he doesn't give them what he cannot give them. He submits to the Father. And so this snapshot in the life of Jesus shows us something right at the heart of Christian faith that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to live submissive lives. And our first point of submission is always to the Father. And because the Father wills it, we then submit to every other human being because they are created in the image of God. 
And so Jesus lived a life where he submitted not only to the Father, but he submitted to every single human being. Every human being that Jesus sub he met, he submitted to them. But let us understand what that means. The disciples ask him for something, and Jesus says, no. I do not have the power to give that to you. And yet, he asks the most submissive question of all. What do you want me to do for you? Our lives are marked by submission to the Father and constantly every day living a life where we're going around and when we encounter people, either verbally or under our breath, we're saying, what do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? How can I bless you? And yet the voice which, which rings out over all, always, is the voice of the Father. We had that time at the start of Mark's gospel where Jesus heals loads and loads. We don't know how many loads of people come to him for healing, and he casts out demons, and he heals them. And that happens until well after dark. And he's serving them. I imagine the question he's asking them again and again as tens or even hundreds come to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He submits to every single person, whether they deserve it or not. He submits to every single person. But he doesn't always give them what they want. He gives them what they need. And it is the Father who tells them what they need. So the next morning, he gets up, he goes away, he prays by himself. The disciples come to him and say, Lord, everyone's looking for you. Come back to town. You're a celebrity. There's more people gathering to heal. There's people who need your help. And what does Jesus say? Having listened to the Father, we're getting out of here and we're going to our time. There are people who are demanding, Jesus, come to me, help me. What does Jesus say? No. We're moving on to the next village because there are people there too who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We really have two ways to go in life. One is to seek our own way or to seek the way of Jesus Christ. If we seek our own way, we will live a life of frustration. We will live a life of misery and we will gradually push absolutely everyone away from ourselves. We may in name only be part of a church, or part of a marriage, or part of a family, or part of a workplace, or part of a neighborhood. But if we always seek to get our own way, we will only be a member of that community in name only because we will have ceased to be part of community. Because we're not interested in relationships, we're only interested in servants. Jesus shows us what it means to enter into true community and true freedom and tr tr true joy. And like everything else in Christian faith, it is counterintuitive. Do you want to know how to become more spiritually powerful? Do you want to grow stronger? Do you want to, know, to have everything your heart desires? Then never seek to have your own way.
the ramifications of going down the road of seeking our own way are not only spiritual, they're also mental and physical. In my experience, when we seek to have our own way, it will lead to health problems eventually because we will again and again make molehills into mountains. And when someone doesn't do exactly what we want them to do, whether it's in the workplace or our politicians or wherever it happens to be, then we will fume and we will boil and we will stew, not just for days, not sometimes for months, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades people stew. Because how dare somebody else not do exactly what I wanted them to do? And in my experience, it leads to three areas of health problems, here, here, and here. That if we live a life where we're constantly frustrated, it will lead to problems here. It will lead to problems in our heart, physical heart. And it will also lead to problems here, stomach problems, ulcers. Now, all those things can happen for other reasons. But boiling and stewing and festering and being bitter for months and years and decades will have physical ramifications in our lives. But Jesus, thank the Lord, offers us a startling new way to go. Where we live a life where we're constantly saying, Father, who do you want me to serve? What can I do? How do you want me to help you? And so, the disciples come to Jesus, James and John. They ask him those questions. He says to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism, baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So he serves James and John. And when the other ten hear what James and John have, John have asked, they are indignant, which is a polite way of saying they were raging. They were furious. I imagine what they thought, perhaps even what they said, was something along the lines of, how dare James and John seek preferential treatment? How dare they look for the places of the right hand and left hand of the master? Haven't we given up as much as they? Haven't we slept out in the open as much as they? Haven't we left our workplaces as much as they? Who do they think they are? And the ten were absolutely furious. So here's Jesus heading towards Jerusalem. He has invested his very life in these 12 men. He has served them. He has washed their feet. No, he hasn't. He's going to wash their feet in the future. and community is breaking down before his eyes. He has two of them over here and 10 of them over here and they are absolutely furious with each other. And so he brings them all together. He, doesn't, he isn't concerned about his own journey and his own death and all that is entailed with that. And, and instead, he submits to the community. 
And so he gathers the 12 together, and he says, you know how the Gentile leaders get on with each other, how they lord it over each other. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great, become great among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus draws them together. He serves the community, and he tells them the way to be like him, to live a life where you're always submitting to those who are around you. You're always deferring to them. What would you like to see happen? What do you want? What can I do for you? Not that we always say yes, not that we always do what they ask, Often we will, but actually the one we're listening to is the voice of the Father. And so Isaiah said, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. For he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Jesus, by the Father's will, submit to his disciples and submit to the teachers of the law and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Gentile leaders? And then why did he submit to death? Because this was how the Father was going to overcome the Roman Empire. This is how the Father was going to overcome death, was through his submissive Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has redeemed humankind. Jesus Christ has begun the restoration of all things. That's what his resurrection means. That's what his new resurrection body shouts. This is the restoration of the entirety of creation has begun, and there is nothing that can stop it. And yet, how did it come about? How was death overcome? How will you and I have eternal life that goes through death into life everlasting? How? Because Jesus was willing to submit to death. Did he have to? No. Was he willing to? Yes. And how did he do it? Because the Father commanded it. And yet here's the thing. Jesus could have said no. The whole of Jesus' life was one of submission, but it was entirely voluntary. And the same is true for you and I. God calls us to submit to those around us. It's entirely up to us whether we do it or not. Sometimes we might think about listening to God and obeying God as some sort of sergeant major bellowing orders to us, pointing at us and threatening us and saying, if you don't do what I want you to do. But Jesus said, the Spirit of God says, I am gentle and humble in heart. The Spirit of God is among us. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And the Spirit of God is constantly whispering to us, submit yourself to the Father's will. Submit yourself to those around you who are made in the image of God. 
And you and I have the option to say yes in every moment or to say no in every moment. It's entirely up to us. And yet if we do, we will discover that God's service is perfect freedom. And what's one of the main freedoms that comes by serving God? It's being free of the terrible burden of having to have our own way. Jesus submitted to death in order to overcome death. We may, and we will, be called by God to submit to people that we don't like, who don't deserve it, and who we are convinced are completely wrong. Jesus submitted to the authorities even though he thought they were completely wrong. Jesus submitted to death even though he knew it was completely wrong. Death should never have been part of creation. That's why the place of submission is ultimately the place of power. And yet it is not power of our own making. It is power that trusts in God the Father that somehow, 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 God will sort it out. That's why Jesus went to the cross, trusting the fact that even though Jesus would submit to the authorities, he would be betrayed and deserted and flogged and mocked and spat upon and crucified, and he would die. Jesus trusted the Father. The Father would sort it out. And Jesus, having been born, laid aside all his privilege, all his innate power and majesty. That's why he couldn't give James and John their request, because when he was born in that stable in Bethlehem, he no longer had any privilege. He no longer had any power. So where did the power in Jesus' life come from? It came entirely from the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus say, you can do even greater things than this? Because the same power that Jesus exercised was from another source. It was from the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to drive out demons, none of that he did with his own power because he had no power. He lived the life of a servant. He was completely submissive. The power to heal, to prophesy, to pray, to serve, of hospitality, of mercy, of teaching, of leading, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit were the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were not the power of Jesus Christ himself. And so when we open ourselves to the Lord and submit to him, we are opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sweeps us up in the community and gives us life. Jesus said in summing up all of his good news in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek are those who submit to God. So what Jesus was saying was, Blessed are those who submit to God, 
because they will get absolutely everything. Do you see how the kingdom of God works? Do you want your heart's desire? Do you want everything that God has for you? Do you want to live a completely fulfilled and free and full life? The answer is never to seek your own way. Because that leads to restriction and narrowing and isolation and ultimately to misery. But if we do it by submission to the will of God, it leads to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It leads to entering into community. Because as we submit to other people, we create, God creates community around us in our marriage, in our family life, in our workplace, in church. Whenever we are submitting to other people, community just springs up all around us. So just to finish, some very practical ways. Last week we mentioned two. One is to, to treat everyone with equal concern. And also as well, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to suffer with those who suffer. Uh, this morning I just want to mention a few, and they may seem very simple, and they may seem surprising, but it can all be summed up in having good manners. We may think that the erosion of good manners in our society is just purely one of those things. But the erosion of good manners in our society is a symptom of people lacking submission. So what are good manners? Good manners is deferring to other people. It's saying, you go first. You take the last piece of cake. It's saying, please. It's saying, thank you. It's being punctual. You see, if we're late for an appointment, we're expecting someone else to wait for us because we are not willing to wait for them. Good manners is an expression of being submissive. It's being like Jesus Christ. It's as Paul says, treating other people as better than ourselves. But the amazing thing that happens is that when we do this to the glory of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we honor the image of God in other people, then we become increasingly dignified within ourselves. By treating other people with deference, we ourselves actually grow in dignity. We become more like Jesus Christ when we exercise good manners. Not in a legalistic way of ticking all the boxes. How many doors can I open for people today? But living in an attitude of submission where in all the little tiny things of life, we're constantly seeking to serve the image of God in other people and to listen to the voice of the Father. 
And the final one, and in this, all of these challenges, I'm challenging myself as much, if not more, than I'm challenging you. Listening to other people and not interrupting what they are saying. Do you sometimes finish people's sentences for them? Do you sometimes interrupt them before they finish speaking? Do you sometimes give them advice even before they've actually finished their sentence? Do you tell them what they're going to say because your brain operates faster, you believe, than theirs, and you actually know what they're going to say before they even say it? To submit is to listen fully to what the other person has to say, to concentrate on what they're saying. And to be wondering in the midst of that conversation, in prayerfulness to God, how can I bless this person? How can I help this person? How can I speak the word of God to this person? How can I encourage this person? If we do that, we will discover that we will have everything we've ever wanted. There are two roads open to us the road that leads to isolation and ultimately misery, the, wor the, wor the path of wanting to get our own way, or the other path, the path of never seeking to get our own way, the path that even if, if we see that we want something to happen, we don't push for it, we pray for it. And we discover in that that we build community with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with everyone we encounter. We may not agree with them. We may not do everything they want us to do. But we submit as Jesus submitted. And in doing so, we will discover joy and fulfillment and freedom and life beyond our wildest dreams. But there's only one way to do it. There's only one way to prove it, and that is to do it in our day-to-day -day lives. Shall we stand together? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who laid aside all his majesty, who came among us as the King of kings and never ceased to be the King of kings and never ceased to be the Son of God and yet became the Son of Man and went the road of submissive, submissive suffering all to your glory and brought us into the wonderful freedom of life of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so may the God of peace who brought into peace, us into peace through the blood of the eternal covenant. Lord, thank you that you brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, May he equip us with everything good for doing his will. And may he strengthen us in what is pleasing to him. Through his name, Jesus Christ, to whom be all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So let's worship the Lord together. And uh, in the midst of this singing or prayer ministry, there may be some things that have struck a chord with you today. 
One might be that you think, actually, I have stomach problems or heart problems or head problems, and I know that part of that has been I have made a mountain out of a molehill. I have stewed and stewed over something that the Lord is saying today, let it go. Or asking the Spirit to show us and give us listening ears to listen to the voice of the Father. Or simply just to pray that God would bring us into more freedom and more fullness of life and into deeper community with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with other people.